On this episode of Mistake by the Take, Jake and Dylan talk about positional coach hirings coming up for the Browns, as well, offensive coordinator spot, a couple of names being looked at, and finally, Deshaun Watson making some comments on a podcast that might lead to a little bit of a power struggle in the Browns. All that and more coming up on a brand new episode of Mistake by the Take. One, two, Another episode, episode 30 of Mistake by the Take. Jake Volnick, Dylan Feltovich, bringing you everything you need to know. Cleveland Sports talking Browns today, and most important thing, we'll kick it off. Dylan, how are we doing today, bud? Uh, pretty good after last night, considering All right. that. All right. I, I, dude, you know I had to say it. Like, All right. Can I, can I just, can no, I just I mean, say you it? already started it. Go okay. ahead. Um, yeah, you know, Jake and I playing in a Madden League together. Shout out to Ben. He was the one that created it, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jake's friend, Ben. Uh, you know, when you have the first overall pick and you take Patrick Mahomes, it's a franchise league and you basically do a fantasy draft. When you swim with sharks, when, when you, you play with bears. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you take Patrick Mahomes, you'd expect to be pretty good, right? I'm pretty good, yeah. 63 to 28. My offensive line's duty, that's all I have to say. Monta Sweat. Dude, I literally pointed out to you, you were, commanders now. you were bringing a four-man rush. I didn't, yeah, I was not even bringing... I, that's a, so you brought pressure towards the middle of the game. I was aware oh, of that. Oh, yeah, well, that's, yeah. that was my shift, because the, I will give you credit here. It was 28-21 to 21 heading into half. Yeah. I, like, I started to screw up a little bit, so then I started to bring a lot more pressure. I brought, like, 5-6, and then... Yeah, and then I, I pointed out to you, because you obviously pull off the pressure at the end of the game, because there's no need to be on it, and I go... Dylan, you want to see my problem? Because I was aware the blitz was coming, right? I wasn't just blind to it. I was trying to counter it. But I was like, just stare at Paris Johnson, who is my right tackle, and it's a one-on-one with Montez Sweat in three plays in a row to end the game. Demolished on the outside. I mean, not even not even close to being able to protect. Yeah. I think the only other thing, too, is I did, like, QB contain because what you like to do as well is No, oh, yeah, I've passed one homes. Yeah, yeah. I want and a you, lot of the you did make uh, some absurd throws. I'm like, dude, are you serious? It's Patrick Mahomes. Right. 99 throw on the run's great. It's, uh, you take advantage. I will have to say, though, you know, I think probably the best part of it definitely was the fact that our, you know, kickoff, me blaring uh, Zombie Nation right before. And that, was, that was pretty funny. Come on. You couldn't even get it up. I couldn't get it up. No, because <laughs> well, I was trying to find you. Yeah. I kicked it off before you even had the song rolling. Josh Allen had a quiet down the crowd. Love doing that. <laughs> yeah, he was Adam. pumping it down. That yeah. was great. Uh, but I, I guess enough jarring about our, our useless Madden game last night. It's not useless, but it's God. a little. It's, I mean, yeah, everybody that's, listening that's what it's they probably all say, useless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get into Hot Off the Press. All right, Dylan. We're, we're going to try to roll through this a little bit faster than we have in the past. Okay. All right. Uh, first things first, let's kick it off. Starting in the NBA, Tristan Thompson, who, if you didn't know, playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers, if you haven't been keeping up, uh, suspended 25 games for doping. I will say this. I think it's kind of a stupid rule now, in my opinion, to, um, it, like, the weed stuff, in my opinion. I, I mean, now that it's being legal in a lot of states, I think it's kind of stupid. Um, but, no, I mean, it's kind of irrelevant. It is Tristan Thompson. I mean, okay, so my thing was, he's getting suspended 
It's for perform enhancing drugs. No, I, I, I'm yeah. just saying in yeah. general. Performance enhancing drugs, like, dude, you, you're taking performance enhancing drugs and yet you are still buns. Yeah, okay, so this is my thing, right? Like, I, and this is, I, I have this take, you know, on Streak Talking Sports, WJCU 88.7, 6 to 7 on Tuesdays, Dylan and I. But we, we weren't on this week. You you were uh, feeling a little bit under it, so you, you, you stayed at home. We Correct. Were, uh, did yeah. a little different, but. I was talking about it this week because this was a conversation that got brought up in one of the segments. How how do you get Tristan Thompson? Like, this had to be the random test just to be like, yeah, yeah these are for sure random, right? Like, you know, everybody's getting tested after the right. top 60. But, like, yeah, this is for sure random. So we're going to trust Tristan Thompson, and then you catch him. Like, I'm not defending Tristan Thompson. If you're doping, you should be suspended. That's right. how that's going to work. But, like, who looked at Tristan Thompson and was like, yeah, that guy needs a test? He's looking bigger did than they, he was last year. Did he... Did they ever like specify what he was using or no? That's probably the real question there, in my opinion. Uh, no, they just said for sure performance enhancing drugs, but I don't think they, as far as I saw, listed anything in specific. So yeah, because that really enhanced his performance throughout the season. Yeah, uh, clearly, dude was doing nothing all year. Couldn't even step on the floor. Uh, moving on, sticking the NBA though, Bucks fire first year coach Adrian Griffin and hire Doc Rivers. Griffin was thirty and thirteen with this Bucks team. You think that warrants a firing? No, not at all. I don't. I think that's kind of a case of what we saw with LeBron a lot of times, where it was kind of wherever he wants and whoever he wants. Um, it, it's sad. It's sad to see that though, you know, because especially too when you lead a team thirty and thirteen, you you think your job security is pretty tight, but you know. No, I guess not. Yeah, you would think, right? And yeah. Then, and then you hire Doc Rivers because you're like, wow, I mean, clearly our regular season not going that bad, but maybe the team just not gelling. You know, they pick up Damian Lillard. Things haven't been perfect right. over there looking. Uh, and you're just like, let's go get Doc Rivers because Doc Rivers has so much playoff success in his career. Yeah, not the guy that I was expecting. Yeah, like big name. And also, it's not like you were like, oh, this guy's sitting out here. What a big name. Dude, he's calling games on like ESPN or something. Right. Like, he's an analyst for one of the big networks. <laughs> it's almost like, nah, not really. I was going to say Jeff Sa- Jeff Saturday, but like, <laughs> nah. no, Jeff Saturday was way more wild. That was yeah, that was way more wild. There. Good job, Colts. There. And speaking of uh, head coaches in the NFL, Dylan, we had a slew of them get hired between our last episode and now. So we're just going to rapid fire them. You ready? Yep. Uh, Falcons. Raheem Morris, the Rams defensive coordinator. Like it or don't like it? I like it. I think I mean he coached both sides of the ball at one point in his career, so I I do like that a lot. That's like perfect head coach for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting development off that though, Bill Belichick. Yeah, I don't think he's getting a job. He might not be at this rate, right? Like that was kind of the scheme where it was like, if he was going to go anywhere, it felt like it was going to be the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, well, if you look at the rest of the league right now, I don't see. I mean, all the spots are closing up, basically. Yeah, I mean, if the Cowboys would make the correct decision and fire Mike McCarthy, maybe. Yeah, but, you know, that's gonna that's not going to happen anymore. No, not for Jerry. Uh, moving on, Panthers hire Dave Canales, who is the Bucks OC from this year. Like it or don't like it? Um, I like it to an extent. I think he's had a lot of success with Geno last well, two seasons ago and then this year with Baker. Um I think it's just a little bit of a gamble, but I'm okay with it, uh, especially, too, when you need to develop Bryce Young. You definitely need to try to figure that one out. Um, so I, I like it to an extent. I think you just need to start to build pieces around him as well. Yeah, I, I kind of like the the idea of go get a younger guy 
who, you know, he's had success developing quarterbacks. You're not really in a win-now situation, so it's not like you have to have the guy. Like, if, if Dave Canales doesn't work out, guess what? This team wasn't winning 11 games this year anyway. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not, you know, too detrimental or anything like that, especially, too. You still don't have your first-round pick, so I yep. don't know. Well, my other thing is I hate everything I've seen out of Tepper, so good luck, Dave Canales. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, moving on, Chargers making a head coach hire. Jim Harbaugh coming over from Michigan, taking over the Chargers job. Like it or don't like it? That's a slam dunk. Um, especially, too, he's had success at both college and NFL level. Uh, when you have such a great resume like him, you're going to be able to get other people in the building that are just as good as well. So, you know, I'm interested to see who he brings in for OC, DC. Uh, and I think finally Justin Herbert kind of gets a good head coach there that can really help him develop. And, I mean, you know, develop as a quarterback that was taken to 2020. Like, you would think that that's not really the case anymore. But, like, He's been kind of just held back so long, like not that many moves that they did, you know, trying to get him help. And it was just poor coaching and stuff. So I liked it. Um, I think that they're starting to head into the right direction. Yeah, I you say slam dunk, and I like the hire. I don't know that I absolutely love the hire. And, of course, Ohio State fans, so I'm not mad to see him gone from Michigan necessarily. Oh, yeah, 100%, yeah. But my only gripe with this is I don't know that Harbaugh's had the best success with quarterbacks and the way this offense is currently built, it, it, the scheme feels a little off. Because Harbaugh's more of a ground-and-pound guy. There's no way around that. I mean, look at his time in San Francisco. He had Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick at quarterback, and his running back was, you know, near-prime Frank Gore. I Well, the, that's the thing. I think it's going to be – you're going to have to see who he brings in for the offensive coordinator spot. I think it's just a good culture guy, especially to – they didn't have – an established culture when you know Staley was there. I think Staley, from what I've heard with talking with people here at John Carroll, like very good schematic guy. Like if he got a defensive coordinator job, like definitely something that would be very good for him. Just maybe not a head coach. So I think you know Chargers probably makes a lot of sense when you bring in a guy like Harbaugh that even established a culture at Michigan, wherever he coached at, even too like. I think that's still what they kind of needed. And, again, like his resume will bring in a decent offensive coordinator and a good defensive coordinator. And it's going to get guys in the building that you'd want to play for him and stuff, like throughout three free agency and stuff. So I'm still for it. I think it's a good hire overall. Yeah, I, I like I said, I like it. I just don't know that I love it. It's just it's weird schematically. You know, there's not a, a star running back over there to fit – the traditional Jim Harbaugh this hour on my offense. And plus his quarterbacks, again, look at Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick. What did those guys not really do? Throw the ball down the field. What is Justin Herbert really good at so far in his career? Kind I mean, of tossing Alex the ball Smith down the to field. An extent. I mean, sort of. He's still more of like that, you know, West Coast, not even West Coast necessarily there. Like, there was a lot of dink and dunk. I mean, Alex Smith, both those guys showed promise down the field. It wasn't like they're awful quarterbacks. No, yeah, but I, I still think that Harbaugh. But here's my case of it, too, to, you know, contradict that. You look at a game like the Penn State, he's willing to adapt his game plan of whatever he puts out there based on whatever's happening in the game. So that makes me kind of feel like no matter what his personnel is, he's going to make it work out. Because like they ran the ball, what, 36 straight times? 
against Penn State. Yeah, it's something along again, ground and pound. I mean, that's kind of what he does. And I know technically like he that, wasn't but. he wasn't technically the coach that game. I get it, but still it's his still, offense. Yeah, it's still his offense. So I mean, I, I'm still on board with the fact that like I I don't think he's going to be a ground and pound guy. I think they're probably going to take a running back at some point. I don't I'd think have to Austin Eckler is going to be the answer there. But yeah, no, I I don't know. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be better, at least, than what we've seen. Yeah, time will tell. We'll, yeah. we'll see what Harbaugh can do with Justin Herbert. Last one, uh, Titans hiring Brian Callahan, the Bengals OC from this year. Like it or don't like it? Uh, I like it. I think Brian Callahan has done a good job with you know Joe Burrow and that offense. Um, it It's hard, too, with that team because, I mean, the Titans are kind of in a weird place right now where you don't have that many good like it's it's tough. Like they don't have a good offensive line. They don't have any good weapons. You know, you you have a second round quarterback that showed some potential last year, I think. Uh, but like, there's other keystone pieces that like you don't really have with the team. So like, it's gonna be hard to judge what he could really do until like you start to get more personnel in the room. This feels like almost a direct one for one canals to the Panthers move. Like, you're going to want to try to develop a young quarterback, right. probably Will Levis in that room. You probably give him a year or two and, and just see what you can do with Callahan. Which is a good thing, too, then, because then, you know, especially Brian Callahan has that background of developing guys. You saw it with Joe Burrow. Like, I, I think it's going to definitely be at least good in the sense of their quarterback room is going to take a step up. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Dylan, want to close things off? Would Lisa like to put out the fire for us? I think she would. Great. Now we'll never get the game back. Maybe we will. Maybe. I don't know. Who I, knows? There's been, there's been rumblings about, about hot off the press and, and how it's going to work. Yeah, you. <laughs> I'm usually really enthusiastic, but we're, we're not 100 percent sold yet. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was that was kind of funny though. <laughs> what? <laughs> you go. You're like, oh yeah, I don't know about hot off the press anymore. I'm like, oh, so technically you lied and said that the game will not be back, and then you're like, shit, we're gonna have to <laughs> we're gonna have to do it again. Never mind. I can't lie to the people. Nope. I, I told them it would be back. It's gonna be back. It was a shorter version. A it was bit. shorter. Yeah, it was a little bit shorter. That. Well, well, we'll see how we feel, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, for anybody, before we get into Brown's talk here, you know, keeping your eyes up, you might want to might wanna be looking at the YouTubes, maybe, coming here in the next couple of weeks. Hypothetically speaking, yes. And uh, there there might be a video component attached to this podcast. Also, there some TikToks be... coming out, too. Again, yeah. really weird week for me. 18 credit hours, man. This yeah, is man, kicking you're... my fucking ass. Yeah, you're just going to... I have you're... to do it, though. I yeah. have to do it, I, We had the conversation. It's just, it's a... A factor of pretty much pony up and yeah you know, struggle through it but that's mm-hmm. what we do that, that's our uh builds character yeah <laughs> you get a little bit of grit yeah get some grit in the room guys it's all right well what do you say uh we talk about a guy who has a lot of grit in the room on this brown squad it's so corny so corny oh my gosh, transition. It, was, it was a good transition wow <laughs> right. wow uh anywho go ahead you know if you guys are here maybe take to twitter let us know if the transition was corny at MBTT pod on Twitter at mistake by the take on Instagram at mistake at mistake by the take on TikTok. I got that out. Uh, no, but let's. Uh, so we closed off hot off the press talking about Brian Callahan, Bengals OC, being hired by the Titans as the head coach. And if you're like, why does the name sound so familiar? The Brian Callahan wasn't it Bill? Yeah, no, Bill's his dad. 
Bill Callahan is the father of Brian Callahan. Bill Callahan, currently your Browns offensive line coach. And it was rumblings immediately as soon as Brian got hired to be the Titans head coach. It was like, well, you know, does this mean that Bill could kind of be on his way out? Because theoretically, it's not hard to connect the dots, right? Like, son gets hired, has a chance to bring on dad. I mean, and it's not like you're just bringing him on in form of nepotism either, right? Like, Bill Callahan was one of the highest Highly accredited, yeah. I mean, he's highly accredited. He's highly paid. Like, he's one of the highest paid assistant coaches in all of the NFL. And you saw it this year. Why? He has that offensive line doing things they shouldn't be doing when they're going down and when they're healthy, even better. Yeah. He's nothing short of special. Do we think this means Bill's going to be on the move? Is he is he not going to be a Cleveland Brown with his son getting hired over in Tennessee? I feel like if it was going to happen, it probably would have already happened, in my opinion. Because it's been a little bit now. Been Yeah, what, four days, I think, since Callahan yeah. was hired? I feel like it's probably not going to happen. In my opinion, if someone, if I was an NFL coach and, you know, my dad was a very good NFL coach, you know, with another team and stuff, I don't think I would want to coach with them considering that, you know, I just, I can't stand, you know, being with my dad and coaching with them. Oh, we already tried it a couple times too in the past with baseball, but I don't know. I, I don't think it's probably going to happen. Uh, I'm sure stuff will have to kind of transpire if they do want to try to make it happen, which, I mean, at that point, too, I don't know. I still think, I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be fine for now. I know, like, you know, Ken Carmen was tweeting out stuff like, oh, yeah, like he was freaking out when, you know, they ended up hiring him, and people were like, no, you idiot. They That's, you know, his son and stuff, and everyone's like, well, no, it's because he might follow. But I don't know. I still think we're okay for now. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. The four days at a time, and I do see the, the son-father connection of like, oh, yeah, that would be really fun to coach with your dad, right? Like, in theory, I also see it completely the other way of, and especially when it's the son that's the boss, and then your dad's kind of under you, like, that That could also create a little bit of tension. Oh, yeah. And then, obviously, you talk about this, like, what if Brian brings in Bill, and Brian's like, oh, man, this guy's just not fitting what I want him to do. Right. And then he got to fire your dad, right? Which I don't think would happen, just because, again. Well, that but, happened in baseball one time, remember that? But that was more of, like, a player thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God, that was with uh, the Tigers. I'm not going to remember it off the top of my head, but. Avila? Avila? Avila, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Alex I forget. Avila. They had to cut him or something. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, like at the end of the day, I mean, that's business. That's how it works. But it does. But create, at the same time, it creates a lot of tension. Yeah. It's an it's an awkward you know relationship when you get back home. Right. Like, it gets weird. I, I totally understand that side of it. But it's not like you're bringing in a bad coach either. No, <laughs> like, no, 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 not like, at all. You you could solely argue that it's not just father son, and that's you know just hey here, here's a really good guy that we want for and sure. It just so happens that I have an easy connection to him and a way to get him. The, the thing about this is the Browns would have to grant the release of Bill Callahan. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's under contract, and the way it works, he's not free to go ahead and do whatever he wants. Like, the Browns could be like, nah, you're not touching our own line coach, which is very possible for them to do. I think there's also a mutual respect there to a degree where if Bill really wanted to go, would the Browns let him go? I mean, generally, I feel like the answer in the NFL there is yes. Right. I think like, the Browns you, you would have the respect to that. You, you don't want to like imprison a guy and try to force him to coach your team. That's not exactly good culture, and you're probably not getting 100% out of that guy if you tell him, yeah, no, we're not letting you go. Yeah, I, I agree. 
So I think if he really wanted to, he could. There's also the factor here of the two teams and where they're at. Like, Bill Callahan could be coaching for a Super Bowl this, like next year. I'm, I'm not saying the Browns are right there, but they're certainly farther ahead and much closer that, than the Titans. Like, the Titans are in a complete rebuild. Right. So I think job security is this thing here. I think just wanting to be part of a successful football team and also sticking around the guys that you've kind of developed and worked with. How old is Callahan? Bill or Brian? Uh, Bill. Bill is, I believe, into his 70s now. Let's see. I feel like that's part of it. So this is the wrong. That's Bill Callahan, the musician. You're, you guys are sitting through right now my Google search. 67, so he's pushing 70. Yeah, at that point, too, he's probably going to consider retirement as well. Who knows? I mean, it would be kind of cool coaching with your son as well. Um, I mean, that's something that, you know, a lot of guys kind of dream of. Yeah. Like, a, a lot of the times you think, like, playing, like, oh, like LeBron right now with Bronny, right? Like, well, if he gets to the league, you get to play games with your literal son right? in the league. Like, that's a really cool experience. It's kind of the same thing just on the other end of the spectrum where it's coaching. It's a little different. I get it because there's a – not a – levelness there whereas technically lebron and Bronny would be kind of co-workers they'd be on an even plane even though we all know they wouldn't be but in yeah. theory they would be whereas in coaching here brian's clearly the boss right no I, I agree um i i still think for now at least it's probably not going to happen maybe if in the future when he's pushing retirement that's when he'll start to maybe transpire but i don't know i i still think we're we're fine for now if if something were to happen we would have heard rumblings about it because right now all you're hearing on Twitter right now is the you know the fans like oh we're gonna lose him and stuff. You haven't heard reports of like, hey you know like Callahan's considering going to Tennessee and stuff. You're you don't hear that. You're hearing more of just the fans, and I think we'll be fine for now. You know, again maybe in the future kind of changes yeah uh titans wire which i believe is part of usa today if i'm not mistaken uh reporting that it's unlikely that callahan would be going over to the titans uh i've seen other reports saying the exact opposite though as well Uh, on the other side both browns and titans i I just don't know what to fully believe but i I would be inclined to think he stays in cleveland but again we're just gonna have to kind of wait this one out and see as right now it's already been four days recording this on friday the 26th he's still a cleveland brown yeah uh, so that kind of wrapped up what I want to talk about on Bill Callahan. I just think it's an interesting conversation. Oh, for sure. But the one that probably sparks a little bit more interest here is the Browns' vacant OC spot. We talked about, you know, last week, Alex Van Pelt out, and it's going to be, you know, some some new faces in there. We've gotten to now sit around and kind of see the new names that the Browns have been, been eyeing a little bit. I'm going to kick it off with the ones who are a little bit more established as coaches. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go the most recent, the name that probably excites people the most, in Kellen Moore. Moore, a couple of years ago, back with the Cowboys, most recently this year, part of the Chargers staff. Doesn't seem like Harbaugh is looking to to keep him around, retain him to run the offense. So he's interviewed now with the Browns, and I believe the Eagles is an OC spot. Mm -hmm. You took to Twitter. You're very fond of of Kellen Moore. Yeah, I've liked Kellen Moore for a while now. Um, Even like when he was – playing as a quarterback in the NFL. I, I, I liked him there. Um, I don't think the Chargers is a good example of what he could do. I think the problem – see, the, because the, the thing is, like, that was such dysfunction this year that, like, 
you can't really judge it on that one. I think Justin Herbert played pretty good when he was healthy and not playing with a broken finger or any type of injury of that matter. Uh, I think when you look at the Cowboys, everyone's like, oh, you know, Dak's uh, stats were better than this year. Like, they were better this year than last year. That's got to be an example of Calamore. I don't think that's the case either. I think he was very all over the like it, 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 he he was dealing with injuries too when Kellen Moore was there I, I still think that this is a very good hire considering that if they do obviously hire him uh there's one aspect that I like of Kellen Moore is the the fact of his ability to pass like the deep ball for him actually is pretty good like I know Dak wasn't the best example of it but like Justin Herbert in glimpses you saw a pretty good example of what he could definitely bring to the table for the Browns. And I think that's one key area where, like, one, we didn't really have many play designs for that, and two, you don't have the personnel to really extend it downfield. So if you get a guy in here like Kellen Moore, I think that's a pretty good hire, in my opinion. So the thing I like about Kellen Moore, young coach, and I've talked about this extensively other places, like, young coaches to me are great hires. I love a guy who's new, innovative, sees the game a new way. That, that is perfect in my eyes. Kellen Moore's had a little bit of a run at things where it's – I'm on the fence about it. Like you said, being with the Chargers, being with the Cowboys, maybe not the best representation, playing with a couple of hurt quarterbacks. I hate to tell you, but the, the way we're looking at Deshaun right now, the dude was an injury bug this year. Like it, He's been playing hurt for a good period of time, and I just don't know – when it comes down to it, that I've loved what I've seen out of Khaled Moore to its full extent. Like, the Cowboys run, I, I'm friends with both Cowboys and Chargers fans. Both. Multiple Cowboys Sorry fans. Sorry to hear that. I'm, I'm friends with one good Chargers fan. Neither side really caring for Kellen Moore all that much. The Chargers side, a little bit more, like Kellen Moore, like the hire. Didn't become the most fond of him at the end of the year, but wasn't against it. The Cowboys fans, pretty much all against it. Like, they did not like Kellen Moore in Dallas. But the thing is, too, you got to consider the coaches that Kellen Moore was with as well. I mean, he was with Mike McCarthy, who we all know Mike McCarthy's not that good of a coach. No, but handing over the offense entirely to Moore, you'd have to imagine. Yeah, it, it, he didn't have much input into it, in my opinion. He also had a guy in Brandon Staley that gets canned in the middle of the year. Like, there's going to be some input with Kevin Stefanski if he comes into it. Like, it's not going to be just the Kellen Moore show for the offense. Kevin Stefanski is a very good play caller. We saw it this year and stuff. At least he's a good play caller considering the field and stuff. He, he's better than most. So I still think that it, it's not necessarily just going to be like, here are the keys, you know, this is all yours, go have fun. Like, no, it's going to be – Kind of a healthy balance of both. I don't necessarily know who's going to be taking over play calling, but I still think that he's going to be okay in the sense of, yeah, like he could definitely bring something to the table that the Browns necessarily didn't have with, you know, Van Pelt there. My big thing with this offense, too, is it feels really stagnant right now. It feels very 1980s, 1990s esque. Uh, there's no pre snap motion. There, there's nothing going on with this Browns offense that you, you couldn't have seen in a game that's played before the 2000s. Right. It's a lot of ground and pound, you know, zone runs, short play action passes. Like, that's what you see a lot out of Stefanski. He obviously works in, you know, some plays here and there. But for the most part, it's it's a pretty basic offense. 
I agree. I think with a guy like Kellen Moore, you're going to get pre-snap motion. You're, you're going to get, again, innovative things that young minds have brought to the game in the last few years that have led to, I mean, pretty much easy yards. Like, pre-snap motion instantly tells you whether or not a team's in man oh, yeah. or zone. And, I mean, not completely. There's obviously more to it than that, but it gives you a really good indication. Helps out your quarterback a lot. One of my favorite coaches because of this, Sean McVay, does it to a T. I mean, I would say at least half of his plays – that he calls are involved some type of pre-snap motion at least at least half and again like you said it reveals stuff about defenses especially too we live in an age where the defenses that get presented aren't necessarily going to be what it is post snap so if you're if you have the ability to move around your personnel to try to figure out what they're actually in take it and run with it and that's again like I love McVay for doing that. You know, he is part of the Shanahan tree to an extent, but he kind of breaks off in that sense of he does more than a Shanahan would. A Bobby Slovic, he doesn't do it as much as I, I again, like I think Slovic does do it, but at the same time, he doesn't do it as much as McVay. And you see a guy like him, I think also too, you know, he does bring that and you didn't really see a lot of pre snap motion with the Browns last year I mean, I mean it felt like none at all none like, and and the other thing too is like what i was pissed off about is you know personnel wise you didn't use them to their full capabilities like elijah moore you really didn't use that much that's what i was thinking too that's what my mind was just kind of running thinking here elijah moore and priest that motion would be I, that's exactly the role you'd want him in right like that's that's cooper he's not cooper cop i'm not saying that but that type-esque of receiver where it's you know, he's quick, he moves very fast laterally, you get him out in a flat, you get him the ball in his hands, let him pick up seven, eight yards, see what he can do. Let him do something, yeah. It, it, it's like you see Puka Nakua, you see Cooper Cup, and you're like, all right, well, these guys are starting to have success, and it's because, you know, you're getting a game plan that could really put them in spots to succeed. Especially, too, I mean, you see Tutu Atwell. You know, I didn't like him coming out of the, I believe it was the 2021 draft or 2022 I didn't like him, and all of a sudden he kind of exploded this year a little bit in the sense of, like, he actually started to play well. And, you know, I would say Elijah Moore's better than him. Yeah, I would probably agree. But, you know, I, I think being in a system like that, it helps him a ton. So uh, involving a lot of pre-snap motion would help a ton. But at the same time, too, you know, again, like you said, it's just a very stagnant offense, and it's got to be the right personnel, too. That's the other key that you're going to have to see this offseason. Also, you want to talk about offenses and defenses being able to work together. If you want to incorporate some pre-snap motion, I'm sure Jim Schwartz sitting on the other side of the ball could be like, you know, when, when we're dissecting defenses, you know, if this guy's going to do this, they're probably here. Like, he could probably help break it down more so than an offensive coordinator would even be able to tell. I agree, yeah. Like, he, he's a good mind over there. Yeah. We, we all know that, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on from Kellen Moore. Again, you're pretty high on him. I'm a little more on the fence about him. I don't. I don't hate it. I wouldn't be mad if they hired him. It wouldn't exactly be like nah, I wouldn't be universe. taking to Twitter, Twitter screaming to the moons about how great he is either. Right. Uh, second name on the list, a guy who was with Buffalo this year and ended up getting canned himself. That's Ken Dorsey, quarterback formerly for the Browns and, like I just said, OC for the Bills for a portion of this season. I think this one isn't as bad as people are saying, in my opinion. Because this this one got a bad rap for a while there. If you talk to Bills fans, obviously they're like, you know, this dude was absolutely horrible. Get him out of here kind of thing. 
to me, in my opinion, if you looked at the stats, like this dude actually was pretty successful in the sense of like, you know, EPA, they were the third best offense while looking at it when like Ken Dorsey was in there and he was taking over. I think again, like a guy like Ken Dorsey, you talk about how our offense is very stagnant. Ken Dorsey is very known for taking those shot plays and he likes a very high powered offense where you saw it a lot with Josh Allen. You have a gunslinger like that, go ahead and take it. And I mean, I, I think again, that would bring an element to this team that really isn't there. Now, am I all on board for him? No. I, I st- I'm pretty on the fence about that one. But at the same time, too, at least looking at the positives, he brings something that we really haven't seen. And I think that's what they're trying to do with a bunch of these OC hires. Yeah, I, I just... The, the Bills team was so dysfunctional to start the year. I, you, you brought up the stat. EPA looked great under that team. But they, they were just a little dysfunctional to start. Like, it was a slow start. A lot of people weren't happy with what was going on in Buffalo. I just don't know that a guy that's coming in at 42 years old, is he going to be the the innovator that we need on this offensive end? Is, is, is this not just going to be Alex Van Pelt 2.0? Because, truthfully, I don't know that this Bills offense really took a huge swing up when they got rid of Ken Dorsey. I don't know that it changed. I think they started to, bo- the, to run the ball a little bit more. That was the big change, and that's why you started to see a lot more success was just in the fact of they actually figured out how to run the ball. Yeah, he was a little pass-heavy, but that you, it's not going to work in Cleveland. That Kevin Stefanski will have your head on a stick if you're trying to pass the ball you know, 40 times a game, right. assuming Nick Chubb's healthy. And that's the thing. Like, I wouldn't be like, hey – you got the reins to full offensive play calling, like if Ken Dorsey was in there. I think out of all the guys that we've interviewed, which, I mean, I believe is only three, correct? That's the only names that I've seen, yeah. Yeah, out of these three, he's probably the lowest one. Again, I think it'll at least be a healthy balance of what we've you know seen in the past and stuff. Of you know, you, You'll still get Kevin Stepanski input in it, but... At the same time, too, I'm not too fond about it. Yeah. It's just... It's not the end of the world. No, no. It's just when guys get canned other places and then the offense, you know, does take a little bit of a tick up. It's like, oh. Like, could it have been just two sides working together for a little bit too long of time and things grew stale and you got to move on? Maybe. Could it also have been, you know, maybe Ken wasn't exactly what they needed over there and they finally figured it out? Heck. Could also be the truth. Yeah. You know, again, I I don't know if that one's actually going to be it, though. I don't have a feeling of, like, yeah, this is – he's going to be the one that comes in. I, I I don't know. Yeah, the only the only tie there that brings you a little bit closer is the fact that he was a quarterback, a quarterback here. for the Browns. Yeah. yeah, so he knows the area of Cleveland, knows the fans, stuff like that. Which – Knows the weather. Isn't saying that much. No. Considering <laughs> that if you're a quarterback for the Browns. Sorry to hear that, buddy. Yeah, this should probably disqualify you from being able to run an offense. Right, right. You'd like, think. You think. You think that should probably be like, no, actually, wait. You played quarterback for the Cleveland Browns and your name wasn't Bernie Kosar? Get out of here, yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Established. De-established. Mm-hmm. Blackballed from the NFL. Yep. Uh, last name, probably the most interesting one, in my opinion. Uh, not necessarily of interesting of, like, this is the guy I want to hire, but genuinely interesting. Like, piques my concern, my curiosity, all of it. Uh, Gerard Johnson. Quarterbacks coach for the Houston Texans this last season. I think he comes in at 35 years old. Obviously, 
looking at the Texans, you know what he did under with CJ Shroud, but I this one definitely, you know, it, it gets you thinking a little bit. A quarterback coach wasn't calling plays last year. You would have to imagine would have input calling plays this year in some capacity as an offensive coordinator. How do we feel about Gerard Johnson? I like him. I even took to Twitter saying that if you know Bobby Slovic does find a job, this is the guy that the Texans need to keep and at least have in the building. Uh, he's worked with guys like Kirk Cousins in the past. Uh, you know, obviously that may not sound like a riveting name there to say the least, but he has experience with Kevin O'Connell, which a very good offensive coordinator there with the Minnesota Vikings. He's the head coach, but he also, I believe he's the play caller there as well. Um, you know, I, I think that helps a lot considering that it's more of the Kevin Stefanski style. I think Kevin O'Connell, you know, they didn't, when when they brought Kevin O'Connell in, it wasn't too much of a change from how Kevin Stefanski was as well. A lot of, you know, the play-action game emphasis. You see a lot of, you know, just being able to put your wide receivers in good spots to succeed and stuff. And I think a lot of the stuff that you saw this year with the Houston Texans, I think, you know, Johnson was part of the success with C.J. Stroud and also, too, you know, with that offense as a whole. You know, it's not necessarily because, you know, Slovak does come from the Shanahan tree as well. I, it, Not too much emphasis on play action. So I think a lot of the play actions that you saw maybe had something to do with Johnson a little bit and his input. So I think maybe, like, that's why I'm he's my second one out of these two. I think Kellen Moore is probably my favorite. I think Johnson's probably my second favorite, too. It's a younger guy. Bring him in the building. Former quarterback at uh, Texas A&M. Like, I would be – I'd be okay with it. So my thing here, and the only place where I really draw any concern – again, I'll say it for a third time. Love the young coach coming in. My question here is you're an established team who wants to win now. You're bringing in a guy who has no experience as an offensive coordinator if you hire Drod Johnson. His only experience in the NFL, I mean, he did two fellowships, and then he was a quality control coach on offense for the Colts, an assistant quarterback coach with the Vikings, as you mentioned, and then he was quarterback's coach just last season with the Texans. We can't tell directly how much impact he's had on any of the offenses he's been under. As fans, right? Like, I'm sure there's something he could show to the team that you know right. w- would explain that. But as, as fans, we have no clue what he's actually been able to do with those teams. So you're now bringing in Gerard Johnson, who would, you know, it's kind of a shot in the dark. It, it could be a home run. He could be the best offensive play caller, best guy that you could bring into the building. He could, you know, re-spark this offense and go hand-in-hand with Kevin Stefanski, and you could win a Super Bowl. He could also flop out completely. Well, and that's the thing, too. You know, people always say, like, oh, you got to go and make the big-time hires and stuff like that, and you got to get the big names when you do – a lot of these guys, they come up from – it's like climbing a ladder. Like, it's not like they're going to be the automatic – you know, you can't just get – I always refer back to it. You can't always go, like, USC, going to get Lincoln Riley. You know, like, that. that's not possible. You know, it's not like you could go and make, like – 
the best OC just come to Cleveland. Like it, it's not the case. You're going to have to be able to develop them as well. And you know, Kellen Moore, I think that's why I'm probably higher on him because at least he was an offensive coordinator and right. he does have the experience. But at the same time, too, I mean, I still like the fact that you know he's had involvement with a bunch of coaches already in his career that kind of has it probably will build his offensive play calling ability. And again, too, like maybe he doesn't even get the keys to the play calling. He might not. That's a thing. Were hired. Yeah. It. That's my. It's just. So I agree with you entirely. It's it's the latter, right? You, you get one step up, and you just got to keep climbing. Nobody's just going from former player to immediate offensive coordinator. That, that's not just going to happen. Can't do it. But at the same time, you usually get those climbing tools on teams who aren't successful or aren't supposed to be successful. Yeah, I agree. Your, your first time as an OC is going to be under a team with very high expectations. Uh, the, the Browns aren't settling for making the playoffs next year. No, you we can't. as fans are not happy about it. Like we are. We we want to make the playoffs. That's a really big part to us, obviously. But we're not just happy making the playoffs and losing. You, you can't be satisfied with that either. Like uh, this team's looking for an AFC championship, if not better. Yeah, and again, that's where I'm kind of at. Worst case scenario, you could just be like, "All right, you're not going to be the play caller. It's fine. We're going to take away the keys from you. We'll give it back to Kevin. He's at least proven." Because at least then, too, you gave him a shot, didn't succeed. All right, we'll go the other way, try it out for now. Yeah, but in a team that's – an AFC that's so crowded, an AFC North that's so crowded, that might cost you a season, and that might cost you a year to Sean Watson. Yeah, I, again, it, it's it's tough. You know, I, I would you – who would you rather have then, Ken Dorsey or Johnson? I'm, I just don't love what I see out of Dorsey. I, I'd probably still take Draw Johnson. And honestly, I – like I say all this playing a little bit of devil's advocate because I might take Johnson over Kellen Moore. That's probably, what I'm probably not. I'd probably still go Kellen Moore, but my like, it's just the the what if factor mm-hmm. of if if Johnson's not good, you might be tossing away a season. I or, don't necessarily think it's that though. Or my other problem is you might be bringing him in and not changing this offense at all, which in my eyes is a complete failure. This offense needs to be, you know, reinvented. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it will be to an extent. And, and I think there's going to be different aspects that get moved around and changed up. My thing isn't that Johnson won't want to or be able to change them. It's if he gets hired, I don't know that he's the play caller and has that much say in the offense. Yeah, no, I, I think that's going to be iffy on whatever he gets the ability to if he does come in. So your ranking then would be Kellen Moore, Draw Johnson, Ken Dorsey. Yeah. Wow, we're a boring podcast because I think that's where I'm at, too. You're just a boring guy. That's why. Well, you know, that's what they say about me. Yep, usually. Hey, enjoying this edition of Mistake by the Take? Never miss an episode by hitting the follow button on the podcast and by dropping a follow on all of our socials. That's at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Again, at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Thanks a lot. And now back to the show. Um, speaking of play calling, there was interesting things coming out of the Deshaun Watson camp and by camp I mean his direct mouth he, he was on the QB Unplugged podcast which if I'm not mistaken is his podcast 
either that or Quincy. I forget his last I, name. Yeah, I, I think it is his, but I'm pretty sure Deshaun's on it. Yeah, like more. Yeah, he's been on it. Uh, in this episode, they brought in Cam Newton. They had an interesting little back and forth, and I think this is more than needed to be talked about. Uh, what we're going to play for you is Deshaun Watson talking about scripted plays. Usually an offense starts out, you know, 15, 20 plays right off the rip scripted, if not an entire, like, first half going to be scripted for an offense. Uh, Deshaun was talking about that and had these comments. This is, again, the QB Unplugged podcast, and that's brought to you by Lockerverse. So here we go. A lot of time, I'm not sure if, if, if your OCs did it, but, like, the first 15 plays, first 20 plays. Already started. Yeah, you know what that is. So you're trying to play within that. All right, this is where the ball usually go. You go throughout the week. You go throughout the different looks. All right, this, here, here, here. i never been a fan of that just because I know the other team's going to adjust quick, and I got to adjust because cool. they're not going to play me the same way like the other quarterback. They're not going to play me the same way like Brock Purdy. You feel me? Yeah. They're not going to play me the same way like a tour because I can use my legs, I can run, I do a lot more movement in the pocket, things like that. So, like, for me, I think, like, the first half, like, I'm trying to figure it out. And, like, I start off slow. But once that third and fourth quarter come around, uh-huh. now you just calling your best plays. You trying to make work. And you got to make – your playmakers got to make plays, especially in that fourth quarter. Deshaun Watson not loving the idea of scripted plays, which I think we all as Brown fans know – that's probably the strong suit of Kevin Stefanski. Like, a lot of times we watch this offense and go, dang, man, that first drive, that was perfect, and then what happened after that? It, it all just went downhill. And Deshaun Watson, not liking them is not a big issue to me. I, I don't have a problem if you don't love scripted plays. I imagine a lot of quarterbacks probably don't like scripted plays. My issue is that I'm hearing this for the first time come directly out of your mouth on a podcast you're releasing to the world. I'm not... I, I we talked about this briefly. I'm not too worried about it. I think to an extent, I'm sure Deshaun Watson likes a little bit of structure. But at the same time too, I feel like where Deshaun was kind of going with it was it's more of he just kind of wants to be more free in the offense himself. He doesn't have to be like, okay, I got to go here, 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 and if that doesn't happen, like, you know, oh shit. You know, I think it's more of like a little bit free flowing. He kind of wants, you know, you see like a guy like Russell Wilson. He was kind of, you know, a little bit off script and stuff. And then also too, I mean, you could even say Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Like a lot of these guys tend to not really follow the script. And I, I don't think that's there's too much to really dive into on this one. I don't think there was any sort of bashing. Or anything like that. I think that's more of just he's in a relaxed area of a podcast. He's talking with his guys, you know, with Cam Newton and also too, you know, he's there with Quincy Avery, you know, another I think that's his quarterback coach, which is you know, it's definitely a chill environment. So like you're gonna just say something, you know, more casually and stuff. And that's where I kinda took it like it wasn't a big deal in my opinion. My thing is I just don't know that I love that being said out in the public. Like, I get you're in a relaxed environment. We're in a relaxed environment here. There's probably things I would say on this podcast that, you know, I I wouldn't go saying up on a podium. Right. But at the same time, you have to be conscious knowing you're an NFL quarterback with more eyes on you than most NFL quarterbacks given, you know, your circumstances. 
and it's going to lead to a little bit of you know an outcry of people like, well, that may be not the best thing I want to hear right now considering things just haven't gone that well here since you've taken over. I also, another part of this that's really interesting to me, he says, you know, oh, I'm, not, I'm not like, you know, they don't look at me the same way they look at a Tua, Brock Purdy. And the names you mentioned of guys that do really well when they go off script, you know, like uh, we're talking a prime Russell Wilson, uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Has Deshaun Watson really showed you anything that tells you he can go off script like Josh Allen, like Patrick Mahomes since he's gotten back? Since he's gotten back, uh, no, like, obviously. Uh, should we be reevaluating Deshaun Watson and realizing maybe this guy isn't Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and maybe he's closer to that tier of Brock Purdy and Tua, and you know, maybe he's not the innovator and escape artist he used to be and more so a little bit of a game manager, you know, 200, 180 yards a game. It's hard to say that, though, because, again, like, our sample size has just not been that big with this team. No, it hasn't. Not at all. And that's where I'm kind of still on the fence about this all. It's like, all right, well, what what is Deshaun Watson? We don't know that for a fact because we've gotten games where it's like, man, he looked pretty good. Ravens game, Titans game. But then we've gotten other games where it's like, what the fuck are we doing here, dude? Every other game he played. Right. So it's more of like there's been glimpses of that – potential of Deshaun Watson being back to what we expected but there's there hasn't been anything that said like okay yeah he's established himself back into that so where I guess I'm going with it is like I don't think like I don't know I I just don't know where to really stand with it I gotta like I've tried to watch the film I've tried to like watch you know and expect and see where you know where I would stand on it but like it's hard to tell and you know I, I I don't necessarily think that he's lost all of his abilities he's still youngish like I I still think that he could potentially have that ability to you know get out of the pocket scramble for x amount of yards and stuff like that like I I I don't know I I seriously don't know what we have with Deshaun Watson that's a bit of the problem right you have no clue The, the one thing I will say about this too is when you look at that, like, is Deshaun a game manager? Is he just going to be the 180, 200 yards game? Is that how you should be adapting your play calling for him? Like, if he's saying that, should you be like, well, Deshaun, we might ha- not have to be on script if you could complete passes off script and actually look good doing it. You know, like, things just haven't looked that great at any point when you're playing quarterback. Right. You don't have that freedom. But at the same time, the amount of money that's attached to Deshaun Watson. He better not be a game manager. Look, I don't think you can afford for him to be a game manager. Like, things are going to start happening with this team, and we know that the Browns have found an ability to sort of bend the salary cap, but you still adhere to it. It's still going to play an effect into your roster. You're not going to have this same talent pool around all the time. Are you going to be able to keep guys around that he can throw to and afford to be that game manager for the next, you know, two, three years? Probably not. Your offensive weapons are going to look worse the more money you have to pay Deshaun Watson per year, which means you're going to need Deshaun Watson to be exceptional. The weapons are falling off for Patrick Mahomes. The dude still looks good. He's playing for an AFC championship this weekend. Deshaun Watson didn't look good with the weapons, and if he's not looking much better by next year, when the weapons aren't there, there's going to be a serious problem for this team. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think why it works with Brock Purdy is because you do have the weapons around him. Exactly. He's not getting paid anything. Right, and and that's the other thing, too. I mean, he was the last pick in the draft. Like, you're, you're not if I see the shit. graphic one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. He's not making a million dollars. Right. That's where it's like, you know, we didn't pay you to just throw the ball to the person that you need. I mean, and that's the thing, too. Like, Stefanski offense, like, you don't really need a guy that's – Especially, you talked about it, where, you know, likes to be very scripted. All right, well, a perfect guy for that? Kirk Cousins. Like, yeah. that's the thing. Joe Flacco. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, not a perfect guy in any scenario at the age of 39, but, but you saw it this year. He, he showed a guy that can follow the script. And do it really well. And that's the kind of quarterback he is, and that's great. That's a style of quarterback in the NFL that can be very successful. And that's where it's like, I'm, I'm I don't know. You're like, you kind of made a hire there where it's like, or a signing, it's like it doesn't really fit Stefanski's, I guess, style. Baker and, Mayfield kind of fit his style. And it's in just, a way. The problem was with Baker Mayfield, you know, when you're in the AFC, you're facing harder competition. You saw it this year where, you know, he was pretty good, but, you know, nine and eight in the NFC, worst division probably in yeah. all of NFL. Definitely was. And it's kind of like, you know, you probably just needed a better game manager at the point. And don't get me wrong, I was very I, – I, despite all of the stuff that happened with Deshaun Watson off the field, again, I don't like talking about that because we don't know the full story about any of that. Allegations. Alle- uh, we. I don't want to take either side. It could nope. be for the women. It could be for Deshaun. Like, I, staying out of it. Yep. I wanted, from a football perspective, for him to come in here. Like, he showed something in his last season with Houston that he played in that he has the ability to be a top-five quarterback in this league. And I don't know. Like, I I really – I've seen very small glimpses of it, and the problem is, like, you didn't want him to be coming in here to be a game manager. You wanted him to be that top-five quarterback. That's what you expected. And you haven't gotten it. So I, I guess I ask you off this. The, the comments that Deshaun made, do you think that in a scenario where Kevin Stefanski says, I want to run my script and I want you to run it to the perfection, once we get to the second half of the game, we'll talk about it. And Deshaun goes, I'm not running scripted plays. I don't like them. Who wins that battle for the Cleveland Browns? Who has more power in that conversation for the Cleveland Browns. I think, well, you got to trace the money. Deshaun's going to win that one. But the, the the thing is, too, I think also the thing is, like, you got to consider this. It's when people talk about off script, it's not necessarily like, oh, you know, fuck all plays. Like, fuck it, Tyreek down there somewhere. No, it, not like, it's point. not like yeah, that. that. Like, it's not, you know, totally like, you know, I'm going to abandon whatever the fuck he's just called. Like, I'm just going to run my own thing. It's more of like, okay, everything breaks down. I want to go out and do my own thing. That's why I'm not saying it's such a big deal because, like, yes, there's structure in the Stefanski offense. I think Deshaun just wants to be able to be like, Screw it. I just want to kind of play my game, you know, if something he, he breaks wants, down. He like, wants to be able to call the play, like, make adjustments at the yes. line, see what the defense is doing, and say, hey, we should do this. Yeah. And but I, that's not what's happening with scripted offense. It's Kevin Stefanski sitting down, looking at the defense beforehand, and being like, hey, this is a, a set of plays that I feel like is going to work, and no matter what, 
we're going to run these plays because I feel like they're going to work. That's what a scripted offense is. And I think also, too, like, you know, you saw, like, with Justin Fields this year. He kind of said the same thing where it's like, hey, like, I just want to play like myself. And that's the thing with Deshaun Watson. He just kind of wants to play how he knows how to play. He wants to be able to roll out whenever. If their first option is not there, go out, be able to, you know, scramble and potentially hit someone moving, you know, wherever. So, again, like, I don't think it's anything to really stress about in the sense of, you know, they're not like, it's not like it's going to be this thing where, you know, oh, his play calling is complete dog shit. I can't, you know, I can't stand it. Like, no, I think it's more of just he needs more. Just freedom, I guess, in the sense of, like you said, being able to switch up a play, you know, or, you know, saying like, okay, if he's not there, I want to be able to roll out and do something else. Yeah, I I think that's definitely part of it. I also, again, I I just don't think he loves the idea of being out of control as a quarterback. Yeah. Like, Brock Purdy can sit there and be like, all right, those are the plays you want to run. Those are the plays I'll run. I'll hit my guys in stride. We're good. Deshaun wants to be able to say, mm, no, I think I see a weakness and I want to go attack it, which the top five quarterbacks in the league, top ten quarterbacks maybe, you get to do that. Like Patrick Mahomes, if you're probably not running scripted plays for Patrick Mahomes. No. If he goes out there and he says, dude, this safety's leaking in, we need to call this play, well, and you're calling that play because Patrick Mahomes said so. And I, here, here's the thing, though. I don't know if you're there with Deshaun. Yeah, it's a level of trust. Josh Allen has the ability to do that. You know, Patrick Mahomes – Obviously, those guys have proven to be able to be like, yeah, like that. I, I'm, like Joe Burrow, another name, probably. Yeah, able like to do I, that. I can Jackson, switch up the maybe. play. Deshaun hasn't. I mean, in the past, yeah, he showed me to, to do that, but like right now, I don't know. Like I, I haven't seen it. I've seen eleven games of Deshaun, and I liked what I saw in two of them. Right. I don't know. I'm not handing over those keys right away. I need you to be successful and be able to run the offense that's called in front of you. And then guess what? He he also goes on to say in that podcast, because I listened to a majority of this episode, he also goes on to say, like, hey, I'm more of a second-half quarterback in a way. Right. Like, I, I, that's kind of where I succeed. Same thing. Like, when I'm able to adjust and kind of make my own plays and see what's going on, I, that's kind of where I succeed, which has been true for a lot of the time for Deshaun Watson. But again, it comes down to that freedom. When you're that good, you get to be the second-half quarterback. You get to be the guy who – off the script of plays, you're going out and making it. I need to see it first. Yeah, and I think also, too, like, you've seen guys like Lamar this year where he really, under Todd Munkin, Todd Munkin realized, like, okay, this dude's actually a pretty good passer. Let me get a good scheme in here for him to be able to succeed in the passing game. And he looked really good under it. And, like, that's the thing, too, like, Maybe whoever's calling the plays next year, that's where it's going to have to be kind of this thing where you got to make the right decision of offensive coordinator and then also, too, the play caller itself. So then there's that healthy balance of being able to trust Deshaun Watson, having Deshaun feel comfortable, making him do this, that. Like, it's it's all bonding together. And if you kind of mess up, like you said, like, you start to get this tension building up even more with the Browns and Deshaun Watson. Uh, we'll just cut right through it. you think Kevin Stefanski's calling plays next year, yes or no? It's too early to tell. I think that my guess is probably not. That's kind of where I'm at, too. What I heard from about Van Pelt, um, 
I think that part of it was they wanted him to take a lower spot and kind of diminish some of it. And it, basically he was like, screw you guys. Adios, I'm out of here. With them bringing in guys like Tommy Reese and they're still looking for an offensive coordinator, like I feel like this is pointing to potentially getting a guy that's going to be calling plays. I don't I think, think I don't think you bring in a name like Kellen Moore to not have him call your plays. I agree. Like I could see you bringing in Draw Johnson and being like, "Hey, Kevin Stefanski's still going to be the play caller," just because again the experience isn't there for Draw. I don't necessarily believe that with Kellen Moore. Uh, I think he's established enough of offensive coordinator. Enough teams are looking at him as an offensive coordinator. The Eagles, for example, Nick Sirianni is probably not calling plays on the offensive end of God, the football. No. He should not be calling plays whatsoever. So they're going to give it to Kellen Moore. I don't know that you would even consider bringing him in, and I know for a fact I don't think Kellen Moore would be here if he didn't have the ability to call plays. Right. No, I, I agree. I agree. I think that, again, it's going to just depend on who you bring in and you know where it all goes down. Am I wrong here, too? Did this not happen exactly in the Hugh Jackson era, right before he got fired? Obviously a completely different scenario, but – I'm almost positive a new OC came in his last year, and the brilliant offensive mind that Hugh Jackson was supposed to be, I'm almost positive lost his play calling abilities the last season before he got fired. Not saying Kevin Stefanski is going to get fired, but, you know, I mean, things are starting to stack up. You need him to succeed with Deshaun Watson. Maybe you're trying to get it to somebody who fits his play style better. Yeah, maybe. I don't think that Kevin Stefanski is on the hot seat, though. I don't necessarily think he is either. Yeah, I, I don't know that he's the most secure job in the NFL right now, but I don't necessarily think he's on the hot seat. I, I think he's probably – he might be lingering bottom half of the league in terms of, hey, your job's a little bit on the line. Like, there's probably 14, 15 coaches above him. But, but it, it's just hard to say that because, you know, he's there's a good chance he wins coach of the year. And he did an incredible job, but it's different to be able to say you did an incredible job when you had four quarterbacks – and your team was riddled with injuries, and you went out there won 11 games, and you made it to the playoffs, and things worked, it's a much different conversation to say, hey, you had a healthy team, a quarterback that we need to succeed just based off of payroll and everything else we have surrounding it, and you can't get it done. You can't get rid of Deshaun Watson, so next guy on the totem pole is Kevin Stefanski. If he can't make it work, he's going to be the guy gone, whether it's fully his fault or not. It might not be a sense of Kevin Stefanski is a bad coach because I don't believe that and I won't believe that whether or not he's fired or still here. It might be, hey, we brought in Deshaun Watson and it just so happened we sort of made the mistake and you guys don't mesh and we can't move on from Deshaun. No, I, I agree. I think, again, it's going to be a telltale of if you get everyone back that you expect, then like that's going to be your year of like, okay, what are you, Kevin Stefanski? Yeah. There, well, there was head coaching uh, hirings around the league, as we mentioned. There was also some positional hirings around the league, and the Browns were actually one of them. Uh, they obviously moved on from Stump Mitchell, who we'll get to here in a little bit, but they filled his spot already, which is the bigger news. Deuce Staley coming in as the Browns' new running back coach. Any Browns fans probably listening, you know, older Browns fans, probably remember this guy as being a running back for the Steelers. I think he's a running back for the Steelers up until about 06, 03 to 06, somewhere around there. Uh, he's also been an assistant coach and running back coach here for the last few years. He's been on the Eagles coaching staff since 2011. He was there up until 2020 
And he was a running backs coach from 11 up until 18. And then we saw a shift for Deuce Daly. Deuce Daly not only was a running backs coach for these teams that he's been coaching for, he's also an assistant head coach. So he's a really interesting hire to me because he's not taking that role with the Browns. But he was with the Eagles from 2018 to 2020. He won the Super Bowl there, obviously, uh, the year prior to being named assistant head coach. Uh, he's with the Lions for two seasons, 21 to 22, and this most recent year with the Panthers. Again, those last stints I just named, assistant head coach and running backs coach. It doesn't sound good when it's the Panthers. I Or the Lions from, I mean, 21-22 wasn't exactly the prettiest stretch either. Yeah. Um, I don't mind it. I think that's a case of experience coming into the building. Um, Again, like, it's not anything to rave about. I don't, like, if you talk to just a casual fan, they wouldn't have known who Stump was. Like, like, let's be honest. Most people probably don't. I mean, maybe just off of, you know. They, they wouldn't know his, his full experience impact on the team. I mean, we probably don't even know that. That's the only reason saying. they would know Stump as a casual fan is probably for the beard. And, and like, in that case, it's like, you know, I don't know how much of an impact that this one is really going to make. I, I'm, I'm glad that they bring in a guy like Deuce Staley because, you know, again, like, worked a lot. And, like you said, too, like an assistant head coach, like, there's something to that. And again, like you're just seeing this offensive overhaul with the coaching now at this point. They're they're saying like, all right, screw this. Let's try to get something in here that's really going to work. And I think also too, you're going to have to get Deshaun Watson involved in these moves as well. That's the other thing that I wanted to say too. Like, you got to be able, even with like running backs too. Like, there's got to be some type of you know implement from Deshaun into this decision and. Again, like, I'm not too – I'm not, like, raving about this one. Like, if you saw a tweet about this from me, like, that's when you know, like, it's, you know, something – like, I didn't even tweet about this. Like, it's like, okay, cool, you know? Am I wrong for saying that? No. No, I I don't think there's a reason really to ever get overly excited about a running backs coach all that much. I I don't think positional coaches really get anybody overly excited unless maybe a quarterback's coach. Um, I I will say this, though. An interesting thing to me on – do Staley, look at the places he's been the last couple of years. Where have you found the success? The Eagles 2018 to 2020. You really didn't have a star running back, but you know what you had? A pretty good running back by committee. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there were a couple of guys who were successful in that span. Lions 21-22. If I'm not mistaken, 2022 was the year of Jamal Williams mm-hmm. running right alongside. You know, it was a one-two punch. DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, you you were able to utilize two running backs very effectively. The Panthers this year, did you have a star running back? Sort of Miles Sanders. Not really, no. No. Did you effectively run multiple guys, given the fact that your offense was absolutely garbage? Sort of. I mean, I will say he made Chuba Chuba Hubbard look decent. That's what I'm saying. This isn't a go out and make sure Nick Chubb's great move. We know Nick Chubb's great. Nick Chubb does not need a running back coach. We don't have to worry about that. No, not at all. Your problem here is you need somebody to step up. You had Kareem Hunt this year. You have Pierre Strong still. You have Jerome Ford still. You have a couple of young guys in the building who just haven't looked incredible. Have they looked awful? Borderline. Borderline pretty bad. Yeah. Do you have a guy who can actually elevate the young guys? Because when it came down to it, it seemed like that's where Stump lacked. When he lost Nick Chubb, this run game, and granted, 
tough O-line situation ahead of him, but it didn't look like they really stepped up to the task either. No, I agree. I, I think it's, it's again, it's more of trying to get a guy in here, like you said, to be able to really help you out when a Nick Chubb goes down and to elevate other guys. And you, th- you thought, like, maybe Stump Mitchell would be that guy, but unfortunately, like, this year you kind of saw it like, no, he, he, he wasn't. And I think overall, like, is it going to have a huge implication? I don't know. Probably not. But at the same time, too, I think it's worth the try to at least try to elevate this certain spot. Yeah, I, I like I said, I don't think there's anything to really, like, gawk at when it comes to a running back coach. Right. But I, I do like what I've seen in terms of getting second guys, third guys kind of ready to step into that role and still being Definitely. at least usable and effective. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's really what you lacked here. And you hope Nick Chubb's healthy and you hope he's the 25 carry back a game that he's been over the last few years. But praying. You really don't know. You don't know, though. And you never know with a running back. Mm-hmm. So you need guys to be ready to step up. Uh, talking a little bit on Stump Mitchell, too. One of the most interesting things I've seen out of a positional coach getting fired, the dude's doing exit interviews with the media. Like He, he sat down, I think, with some guys at Big Play. He, he sat down with News Channel 5, which is the interview that I really sat through and listened just because it was a little bit shorter. It was only 11 minutes long. Uh, there was a really interesting quote that came out of it. And, and I will say, Stump, during this interview, did not bash the Browns, did not bash really Kevin Stefanski or anybody on the staff. I will say he, he managed to leave out Kevin Stefanski's name for a little while there during the interview. Don't know if that was necessarily intentional. Right. Uh, he did end up bringing him up, though, and like gave him praise towards the end of it. But it was good words overall coming out from Stump Mitchell about the team, about Cleveland, everything. Uh, there doesn't seem to be very much you know negativity surrounding him and the decision that was made. He did have one really negative comment, and I don't know that it's even going to affect the team next year, but it's definitely interesting enough to talk about. So the direct quote from his interview on ABC News 5, obviously news channel here in Cleveland, uh, Channel 5 is you're all you know, knowing it very well. Yeah. Uh, he said, I really believe I got an opportunity to get the most out of everybody except Kareem so far. <laughs> I think Kareem has a lot to offer, but I think what he needs to do is dedicate himself to getting all that he can get and don't settle for being who he's been in the past, and I think he'll be one hell of a player. It's kind of backhanded a little bit. He's saying the talent is there for Kareem. He's a very talented back. He's incredible, but he's also saying it kind of sounds like, dude, don't work that hard. Well, and at the same time, like, it's tough to say it, though. Like, it, 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 like You and I can't sit there and say Kareem's not working hard. When you see him on the field, it looks like he's busting tail. But the thing is, he's 28. He averaged three yards per carry this year. Like, don't don't forget though, this is not just Stump Mitchell who coached Kareem this season. This is Stump Mitchell who coached Kareem multiple seasons when he was actually a young, right. usable running back who could have been something special and was a little bit for the Browns. Yeah, and, and, and to an extent, yeah, he was. But then when the Browns needed him to step up when Nick Chubb was down, wasn't yeah. really there. No, I mean like it, this year he was. At best, a glorified goal line threat. Which at that point you're like, I don't like I I don't again like. I wasn't expecting much from him. I was expecting a good amount from Jerome Ford and then Kareem Hunt literally at most to just step in and be kind of like what he was with Nick Chubb. 
Yeah, kind that's of a all. Third down, receiving back, whatever. But he was he wasn't I mean, even none that. He things. was a thumper at this point. Like hey, that dude, was it. I mean, we knew he lost some speed because the Browns wouldn't have gotten rid of him if he didn't. That was uh, he bad. lost what seemed like every ounce of speed that he had. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm like, I I don't know. Like I I'm not surprised by these comments because again, even then, like during the off season last year, like. You know, we don't want to bring back Kareem Hunt because he's lost his speed. That was leaked out to the media. Like, those things were already kind of brewing up. And it's just weird to hear about it now out of all the time that you could be really, you know, talking about it, you know? I, I don't know. It was just a weird <laughs> scenario. Like, I think it's, like, double weird, the fact that it's been kind of rumored that Stump was kind of a, a source for media and you didn't right. hear anything about Kareem Hunt until now based on, like, you heard it from, you know, he lost some speed. Maybe that was stump. But you definitely didn't hear it out of, like, work ethic, at least no, not from what I've heard. Not at all. That's where you're like, oh, well, okay. You know what else? It makes you kind of wonder. Uh, if Kareem wasn't working hard, dude, what would he have been if he was? I don't necessarily. I, I mean, I think it's a fair question. <laughs> it's a fair question. It's just hard to tell when you're, again, the second back. Yeah. That's that's the problem where it's like, uh, yeah, well, uh, you're kind of limited in the role because you have probably a top three running back well, in front of you. Yeah, but would you have seen this offense go a little bit more maybe running back by committee had he been that committed? Maybe, but again, I, I don't know. Could he have been close to as good as Nick Chubb? Potentially. I, like, I, I know we're playing a game of what-ifs here and you can only speculate so far, but it's it fair to been say it. Yeah, I, I think it would have been – Something that's, you know, pretty interesting to think about considering that's your running backs coach saying that. Yeah. And he has no reason to sit there and bash Kareem Hunt. No. There, there's no reason to be like, hey, this guy wasn't good. I mean, he's out of the room. Kareem Hunt Probably did what out he of the did. room, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's no reason for him to just go on a tear on him. And it wasn't really a tear. I mean, it was like one little backhanded comment. And again, or, yeah, yeah. I but, think it was more backhanded at that point, too. Yeah. I, it was just, it was an interesting comment. I, I thought it, it sparked a little. Why, why do you say that? And yeah. also, what could Kareem have been? That's fair. Uh, last thing before we wrap up the episode, another positional uh, hire for the Browns, Tommy Reese, former Alabama offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He'll be coming in to coach tight ends for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I, I like this one. Uh, I think Tommy Reese, again, it, it one of those guys where a lot younger – uh, he's got experience at the college level, which I think it's good to have guys that from like the college level come up to the NFL to at least kind of you know bring in new ideas. And I think Tommy Reese again worked with you know Alabama, Notre Dame in the past. I, I really like that one, especially too. He's not even coming up as the play caller; he's just coming up as a tight ends coach. So it's just another guy to really bolster in this room. Yeah, try to tell me what I'm going to like about Tommy Reese. What it's been, it's been the theme of the episode. What do I, what do I like about Tom young Reese? guy? Young guy, innovative. Uh, he's worked as an offensive coordinator, as a play caller under Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad look. I mean, the offense wasn't exactly the highest functioning, with, but but we, uh, I guess it was also a little limited by, yeah. by some quarterback play and everything else going on around there. I think still but, though, I mean, it, at least you know it. There was a lot of quarterback controversy there going on at Alabama this year so I mean yeah I, I like the hire I, I do think this is a young guy that you get in your room who you're going to have coach tight ends mm-hmm. who can definitely climb that ladder pretty quick yeah and uh, it, it get a guy for the future potentially also think about it if you go out and sign Draw Johnson and you hire him 
If play calling doesn't work out so much, you could see a guy like Tommy Reese kind of potentially step in and yeah. you know be that second, secondary guy. And technically, he has experience too. It may not be at the NFL level, but at least at the college level, and it's an elite college level. Yeah, and it's a guy that you can kind of pull some ideas from too. Exactly, he's in there as a tight ends coach, but he's going to have some say. Also, might be able to finally uh, work in some more innovative plays for David and Joku. We saw that a little bit this year with T.C. McCartney. He might be able to continue that as well. Try to get some of these other tight ends rolling, like. If Harrison Bryant's still on this roster next year, which I don't know is a guarantee at this point and probably far from it, it I need to see something out of my backup tight end. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely agree. I, like, it, we, we, had one, we had one tight end this whole year mm-hmm. that was at all effective. Like, Harrison Bryant, uh, I mean, the, the most exciting thing he did was catch a touchdown from Joe Flacco where I, I remembered Harrison Bryant was a part of the Cleveland Browns. Right. That was about it. Yeah. Like, you brought in Jordan Akins this year because you didn't trust him. Mm-hmm. It was that bad. Yep. <sighs> Good episode, though. Yeah, great episode, dude. Anything else to touch on? Not really. Anything Anything uh, you think we missed? No. Well, uh, I guess that leads you to kind of where we know where we're going to be. Where's that? Uh, we're going to be posting on social media where you should yes. follow us. Uh, at Mistake by the Take on Instagram. At Mistake by the Take on TikTok. And at MBTTPod on Twitter. Dylan, you are at DYFelt on all social media at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter as well. And then you can follow me at Volnick2 on Twitter, at Jake Volnick on Instagram, TikTok. You're not going to find me. At Mistake by the Take. That's where you should follow me on TikTok. That's where I'll be right now. Valid. Uh, but no, that's about it. Episode 30. Woo! 30 through. We're back, baby. Yeah, we are. Uh, you guys all have a good rest of your time. We'll be back next week, probably talking calves. But until then, see ya. Deuces. Deuces.